Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service on this, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Not many left. Advent will be here before you know it. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know who are joining us online from all over the place. We love our uh, online congregation uh, as well as those who are in the room. Uh, welcome on this Sunday. We, um, we have a lot of things that are going on. One thing that I would mention to you is that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, I'm going to have a conversation down in Jubilee Hall with Dr. Mark Holland. Uh, Mark's a big dog leader of United Methodist, and we're going to talk about our denomination, what that means for us, what's coming up next. Uh, some of it's a sorry story. Some of it is a very uh, hopeful story. I hope that you'll come for that and uh, learn about uh, our extension, our, our uh, connection to the larger church, so, so important during these days. Um, my name is James Howell. <laughs> I forgot to get to that. And uh, by the way, some of you, we don't know your names, right? Because you're new here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're just honored that you've taken the time to come here today. And we hope that you'll leave us your name and some contact information so we can reach out to you and begin the process of befriending you uh, so that we might uh, help you learn anything that you need to know about our church so that we might pray for you and any uh, challenges that you're facing in your life. So again, I'm James. I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. So grateful to be together. Part of who we are as Methodists is connecting with one another, those who are near and those who are further away. I want to uh, invite Pastor Nathan to come forward as he introduces our guests from all over outside of the North Carolina Conference. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be with you guys this morning. And we have our special guests this morning from Puerto Rico, um, from the Methodist Church there that we've been in connection with since 2017 with hurricane relief when Maria just devastated the island. Um, and since then, we have taken young adult trips. We've taken family trips during spring break. We have a spring break trip coming up this 2024. So make sure you sign up for that. It'd be a great way. Um, I'll introduce you to Pastor Badechka. And then we have Rafi, we have Nancy, and we have Carmen, who have all just always been such a great host to us while we are in Puerto Rico. So just join me in welcoming this morning. Help us to connect with you, pray for you, and share the ministries of our church. There's the hospitality pass at the end of your pews. There's a QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your smartphone. For those of us online, wherever you may be joining us, there's a link that you can click on to let us know who you are, how we can be in touch with you as we journey in faith as a family of God. It is good that we are here together, friends. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
let us remain standing as we confess our faith and the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed found in the back of your hymnal 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God is always gracious and merciful as we confess our sins to forgive us. I invite you to turn to our attention to the bulletin for our prayer of confession. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
The New Testament reading is Philippians chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Therefore, my brethren, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syndike to agree in the Lord, and I ask you also, help these women for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. 
Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Summer, thank you for that uh, lovely reading of uh, some amazing words. I love to picture the Apostle Paul. I, I imagine him in a candlelit uh, room. He's under house arrest in Rome. Uh, he's brought a secretary in uh, to take down dictation of what he's saying. I imagine him pacing the room, trying to come up with the words, you know, grimacing, backing up, starting over. And I wonder sometimes if maybe he uh, talked too fast and the secretary had a hard time keeping up. Larnetta down here tells me that sometimes I talk too fast. <laughs> I always worry what she is actually saying. <laughs> like, he's talking too fast. He's not making sense. <laughs> I'll have to ask Sandy about that. So Paul was pacing, and he's saying these things that we've just heard. And I can imagine at times the secretary, it just was awestruck. He just drops his pen, like, this guy is on fire today. Paul's absolutely amazing. Um, in this case, he's writing a letter to his, he's not thinking he's writing Bible. He's just writing a letter to his friends in the city of Philippi. <coughs> Philippi was sort of a little Italy in Greece. Uh, Caesar Augustus um, settled his great war veterans. They had a new city where they could go after they'd fought so many great battles for him, defeating Mark Antony and so on. And they lived there in Philippi, and uh, Paul's visit there is narrated in Acts chapter 16. It's one of the great dramatic passages of the Bible. Paul shows up. His first convert uh, is a very wealthy woman named Lydia. His second convert is a dirt-poor slave girl. His, so you got rich, you got poor, and then his third convert is a middle management guy, the guy that's in charge of the jail. Early Christianity is a social revolution. These people normally would never have any reason to interact with one another, and suddenly they land in church together. And they didn't have a church building. The church where they met together was some wealthy person's home, probably Lydia's. 
And I, they haven't excavated Lydia's house, but it's probably like a lot of houses they found from the world in those days, Paris-style frescoes on the wall. I wonder how the poor people felt the first time they walked in there, like their jaw dropped. They must have felt pretty uncomfortable, never been in such a place. But in Christianity, everybody's welcome. Social distinctions dissolve, aren't a thing anymore. Paul had been in jail, actually, in uh, Philippi. Paul was like a frequent flyer guy when it came to jails in the Greco-Roman world. Thank you, Hugh, for laughing at that. Um, and uh, the reason he got thrown in jail in Philippi is that he came and had to do with a slave girl, right? The slave girl, she, she's a sorceress. She, she does divination, and her owners make a lot of money because of this. Paul cures her where she can no longer do that, and the owners are very upset because they don't want the woman to be healed. They want to keep making money, and so they're very, very upset. It reminds me of a story I've told some of you before, but I repeat it to myself often. It's a great story. My kids were little. Uh, we were toward the end of a vacation. Uh, we were on a train outside London. Everybody was pretty tired, and uh, I noticed the guy next to me. I know he wants to chat me up. I just don't feel like talking to anybody. But finally, he talks to me, and he asks, it's an interesting lead question. He says, are you a Christian man? I said, yes. He said, what kind of a Christian are you? It's like a tough question, right? And I said, uh, I couldn't think of what to say. So I said, I'm, I'm a Methodist Christian. He said, oh, I'm sorry. Why are you, I have to talk to him now, why are you sorry? He said, well, where I come from, Methodists, they, they don't take their faith all that seriously. They go to church, and then they just live their lives as they normally would. I said, we don't have that problem in North Carolina. That's a funny line <laughs> at all. He explained to me, He's a gypsy. This is so interesting. I'm the only gypsy I've ever talked to in my life, I think. And he starts telling me about the gypsy church, which even though Christianity is declining in Europe, the gypsy church is booming. <laughs> and he said it's hard for gypsies to become Christians. I said, why is that? He said the number one occupation among gypsies is fortune teller. And once you become a Christian, you can't be a fortune teller any longer. And it made me wonder about what professions, because of Jesus Christ, might we not be in any longer. Paul loves these uh, Christians in Philippi. He calls them my love, my joy, my crown. So he sends this letter to them, and if you're, not a, if you're not a great Bible reader and you think, I want to get started with Bible, but it's such a big, hard, complicated book, you could do worse than start with Philippians. It's short, it's full of meaning, but don't read fast. Read slow. Ponder each phrase. Paul says things <laughs> Like, he says, agree in the Lord. Paul doesn't say agree. Paul says, agree in the Lord. We have such trouble agreeing, don't we? People in marriages have trouble agreeing. People over politics have a hard time agreeing. In the United Methodist Church, we have a hard time agreeing. But Paul doesn't say agree. Paul says, agree in the Lord. Because of the Lord, we have good cause to draw close to one another, to listen to be one. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. Paul doesn't say, stand firm on your convictions. Stand firm on what your parents re raised you to believe. Stand firm on your principles. No, Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. Paul says, rejoice always and do not be anxious about anything. 
rejoice always and do not be anxious about anything. I got to be honest with you. This is when Paul, I, he's just getting on my nerves a little at this point because Paul says rejoice always. I, I don't know. I just can't get there. I know some chipper people. They're just always smiling. It just seems to be easy for them, but I'm not one of them. And you may not be either. And then Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Like, it's bad enough that I feel anxious, but then here's Bible saying, don't be anxious. It's like it's piling on. It's adding God's guilt on top of the anxiety that, that I'm already carrying. Are there any anxious people in this service? I had some earlier in the morning. Do not be anxious. What does that mean? Uh, the rejoice always. Um, I'm doing the series now on uh, how to be spiritual, and the climax of it is going to become, I'm going to have a video and then also a written installment talking about joy. What is joy? And I'm going to suggest that joy isn't, you know, happiness times seven. Joy is this thing, it's kind of elusive. It's not about being happy and cheerful. That's not what it's about. You can have joy uh, when you're critically ill. You can have joy when the world's falling apart around you. You can have joy when you just lost your job. You can have, what is, what is that? It's like this, this sustained sense of God's presence and hopefulness. Even the thick of when everything uh, looks bad, rejoice, and then the, the have no anxiety. I, I love what Kate Bowler, uh, Kate Bowler, she's just kind of our funniest, best, maybe theologian now. She's going to come in January and have a conversation with me. She has a new book that's coming out. I've read the advanced page proofs. She has a couple of uh, moments in there where she talks about her anxiety. She's an anxious person. Well, God, she's a young mom with stage four colon cancer. She has good cause to be anxious, right? Anyway, she says this thing that I love. It's a prayer that she offers to God. She says, Lord, I'm a worrier. You know this. You made me this way. So when my worries arise, Lord, instead of doing whack-a-mole to try to keep them down, when worries arise, I'm going to say to them, rise up. You worries, rise up and up and up and go all the way up to God, who is the one who can handle my worries. Like, I love that image. Rise on up, you, ang you uh, anxieties. Paul says uh, this astonishing thing if you read slowly. Paul says, with gratitude, make your requests made known to God. I think I grew up thinking, make your requests made known to God. If God does what you want, then you should express gratitude to God. But Paul's order is very different. Paul says, with gratitude, make your request made. Like, you start with gratitude. Like, that's my, my sort of life mission statement, <laughs> is I want to find ways to start with gratitude, and I want to take the for off, right? We always go, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for, that. I, want to, I don't want to do that. I just want to be a grateful person. I'm someone who is always grateful. I am grateful. And the good thing about gratitude is that, is that if you have gratitude, I thought about this, you, you can't have gratitude and judge other people at the same time. Like, your brain just can't pull that off. It's actually hard to be grateful and anxious at the same time. I mean, whatever anxieties that you have, if you start writing a thank you note to somebody or start making a list of good things that you have to be grateful for, it's hard to be anxious in that moment 
It's not magic, but I wonder if God didn't wire us uh, that way. Paul talks in this passage about peace, that we should have peace. Peace is not the same thing as calm. Peace is not the same thing as serenity. It's something deeper. Um, St. Maria of Paris, uh, she was a woman from Latvia. She came to Paris during World War II to shelter Jewish children from being killed by the Nazis. The Nazis killed her, and she's now a saint in the church. She, she wrote this that I love. Go to church, because there you will feel real anguish for your sin and the world's sin. Go to church, because there you will feel an insatiable hunger for Christ's truth. Go to church, because there, instead of being lukewarm, you'll be set on fire. Instead of being pacified, you'll become alarmed. Instead of learning the wisdom of this world, you will become fools for Christ. I'm thinking about reason to be alarmed. Um, this next part is not in my sermon notes, but I think it's important. On Friday, uh, I got a call from my friend Rabbi Michael Wolk, who is the uh, senior rabbi at Temple Israel here in Charlotte. He said, uh, what are you doing Saturday morning? Well, I had some stuff to do. Uh, but Michael said, it would mean the world to us if you could come to our Shabbat service. It's at 9.30 on Saturday morning. Given what's happened in the last week, it was hard for me to say, I got to go shopping. I got to fix something in my house. I, so, yeah, I'll come. And I came, and I clarified to everyone, I wasn't coming as James Howell. I was coming as Mars Park United Methodist Church. Several things were interesting about it. Uh, they fell all over themselves being so grateful that I had come. They said, we have felt so alone in the past week. We felt so alone. We hear the news coming out of Israel and we're deeply disturbed by it. There are different ways to think about it, right? I mean, uh, it's not hard to figure out that there, 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 there's, there's, uh, there's bad on both sides of this. Like, we understand that, but, but this is different, isn't it? This was like a wholesale assault on a people. It involved things like executing children in front of their parents. It involved publicly killing a couple of Holocaust survivors, just brutal, evil stuff. And people in Charlotte, we think it's a story over there. And James, do you know anybody in Israel? There are people in Charlotte who know people who have been killed in this action. And at the service yesterday, I saw a man who is a Holocaust survivor. If you're of a people that in the lifetime of people you know, uh, seven million Jews were killed. When something like this happens, pretty darn frightening. And what those guys can tell you that you may not even want to hear is that it's not hard just to be Jewish in Israel. It's hard to be Jewish in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sad to say. She meant the world that we showed up. And the other thing that was so interesting, you know, I sat through their prayers and songs, which are lovely. It's all in Hebrew. And I know some Hebrew, but I wasn't fast enough to follow all of it. But there are a lot of words you could follow not knowing any Hebrew. Quite often in their songs, they were singing 
Hallelujah. That's interesting. There's some joy in that, right? It's in the thick of suffering. People find cause to praise God. During the Holocaust, people in concentration camps did that. The Jews still unfurled their scrolls and said their prayers and praise God. It's amazing. Paul says, choose gratitude. Paul says, choose wonder. Paul says, and I love this text, he says, think about the following things. And he has a list, whatever's true, I love the way Summer read it, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, whatever is excellent, then think about these things. How this is just un-American these days, right? We are coached all the time to find fault with other people. We are taught to bristle over the troubles of the world. We are taught that we are complainers. We are taught of what we earn and deserve. We all, but no, Paul says, Paul says, focus your attention. It's your choice. Think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious. Excellent. I think about the singer, Jewel. I love Jewel, and then she tried to become a pop diva for a while. That was a disaster. But then she's come back now to being Jewel again. I'm so grateful. Uh, my favorite of her songs goes like this. It doesn't take a talent to be mean. Please be careful with me. I'm sensitive, and I'd like to stay that way. I have this theory that if we're told we're bad, then that's the only idea we'll ever have. But maybe if we are surrounded in beauty, someday we will become what we see. If we are surrounded in beauty, we are surrounded in beauty. The beauty of God's world, the beauty of every face. The problem is we parse it wrong and we think it's something else. We think it's a challenge. We think it's trouble. We think it's fun. We think whatever. We think of beauty as, oh, the sunrise over the ocean. Every place on God's earth is beautiful. Every face is beautiful. Every moment is beautiful. The gift of life is beautiful. We are surrounded in so much beauty. Can we think? about those things and become the beauty that, that we, I don't have the language for it, the beauty that we already are. It's the only thing that will save the world. Dostoevsky said that beauty will save the world, nothing else can. And what is the most beautiful thing in the world for us as Christians? It, it would be Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus. St. Augustine wrote these great words. I love this. St. Augustine wrote, Jesus is beautiful in heaven. Jesus is beautiful in his mother's womb, beautiful in his parents' arms, beautiful in his miracles, beautiful under scourge, beautiful in laying down his life, beautiful on the cross, beautiful in the grave, beautiful in heaven. Like, that's the spiritual life. It's just contemplating the beauty that is our Savior. If we could do that, our anxiety would lower. <laughs> we would discover what true joy is. And Kevin sang it so beautifully. The other beauty, because of the beauty of Jesus, is the beauty of his body, the beauty of the church. 
Church isn't an institution to which you belong. Church isn't a place to come and wrangle with other people. Church isn't a place to make great business contacts. Church isn't a place to come with people that you enjoy being around. Early Christianity was a social revolution. Church is the body of Christ. And how beautiful is the church? And I don't mean the beauty of this building, although it certainly is. The beauty of the church is that God's people come together and we care enough to try to reach out to God and to make sense of our lives in light of God and then to be busy doing God's work. I mean, Paul says, think about these things. He also says, work toward these things. <laughs> what a great privilege beauty of the sorrows that we share. I love that about the church. So many places like you, you can't be sorrowful, but here you can. Here you can say, I'm sad, I'm broken, I'm suffering, I'm grieving, and here you're loved. The hope that we cling to, the work we have to do, all the love. Friends, we're the beautiful body of Christ in a world that's very anxious. We've got plenty of it within our own souls. Paul says, think about what's excellent, think about what's beautiful, think about Jesus, think about the beauty of the church, and then reach out. There's somebody you know who is very anxious. You might know somebody who is Jewish. Reach out. People just want you to stand with them during such days. Modern Christians are confused. They think we're supposed to take a stand. That's not a thing. We're supposed to stand with other people. Who's suffering? Who's hurting? Can I reach out? Can I be with someone? Can you reach out to somebody who doesn't know they are beautiful? I know you know those guys. And we say to them, you're beautiful. You are good. God loves you. You belong. You're part of something bigger than yourself. And they really can be, despite everything, joy. I mean, if the Jews on this wing weekend can sing hallelujah, we can find good cause for joy. And for this, we give thanks and praise to God, who is all beauty. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy God, we come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving for your faithful love. Your love never fails, not even when we turn away from you, when we ignore your invitation, or when we desert you for other gods of our own making. God, even then, you do not abandon us, but you reach out again and again, inviting us back into relationship once more. Holy God, as you welcome us, so you welcome our prayers. We bring them to you with confidence, with gratitude, knowing that you will hear and answer. Gracious God, we pray for the world you created and for the people who share it with us, for countries caught up in war or violent conflict, 
for regions of the world struggling with health crises, for those whose homes and lives are threatened by natural disasters, for these and all the other areas in our world where there is need and despair, we pray for your peace, your abundance, and your love to abound. We thank you for the power and presence of your church all around the world. And we thank you for our partnerships in ministry. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our local community, the people of this city. We pray for our political leaders and our judicial system. We pray for the healthcare workers, teachers, and all who care for our community. We especially pray for those who are unemployed, for those in prison or who are hungry. We pray for those who are alone and afraid, for young and for old, for the most vulnerable in our society, for all our neighbors, both known and unknown to us. Lord, in your mercy, Holy God, we pray for this congregation, our siblings in Christ, for those who are ill or whose loved ones are ill, for those who are anxious, for those who are struggling with their faith, for those who minister and serve among us. We especially pray for the family and friends of Rob Bird as they grieve his passing. May we all find comfort in the promise of resurrection as we know he has joined you in life eternal. For all your people in this place, Lord, in your mercy, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Fix our hearts and minds on what is true and honorable and right. Give us the joy and peace that comes from knowing and doing your will. Keep us faithful to the call we have received in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so now we offer the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. As we continue on in worship, as the ushers come forward, I want to say thank you for your gifts, for your tithes, your offerings. We are grateful that as a church, we also make a tithe to the Greater United Methodist Church, which enables ministries all around the world. From Puerto Rico to Armenia, we are grateful to partner in the work for the kingdom of God and to dwell in all places. Let us give with joyful hearts.
Gracious God, we offer these gifts to the work of your kingdom here and now. Multiply it for your disciples. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
I love to watch you sing such a beautiful thing. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.